All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am doing my first part of a two part episode I did with Marco Markovic, a.k.a. Vienna Falcons on Twitter, a Falcon fan that lives in Austria. And the first part of this two parter focuses on reviewing Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot's moves or arguably lack thereof in his first offseason as the Falcons general manager. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on sent you. So as I said at the top, today's episode is a first of two parts featuring Marco Markovich, AKA Vienna Falcons on Twitter, a, a very good follow from across the pond. We've had Marco on the podcast several times back in the day doing quote unquote fan talks back when we used to do those on these podcasts and invite Falcon fans to share their insights uh, on the pod. And, and Marco now has sort of parlayed that. I think the first time we had him on was in the summer of 2017. And he sort of parlayed that into a German language Falcons blog called Sturz Flug, which you can find at sturzflug.blog. That's S T U R Z F L ug.blog blog and of course it's a german language blog but if you're curious about marco and his uh cohorts his insights onto the falcons and football in general of course you know you can find translations of that blog google translate and all that sort of thing so some great insight marco does a lot of sort of analytic stuff and has come on and shared his insights into various analytics in the past in today's episode we'll be focusing entirely on um terry fontenot's offseason and you know we wound up talking for roughly an hour and so decided to split it into two parts and today's episode really focuses on you know the plan and strategy in instituted by Terry Fontenot or not instituted by Terry Fontenot this offseason. We will talk about the decision to pass on a quarterback at that number four overall selection. And then we'll sort of in today's episode, looking ahead to next offseason and the big decisions and, and whether or not the team is sort of doubling down on Arthur Smith's coaching ability and, um, you know, if we'll get more insights into Terry Fontenot's plans next year. So with uh, that being said, let's jump into that conversation with Marco Markovic, a.k.a. Vienna Falcons right now. All right, guys, you're locked on Falcons and I am joined by another illustrious guest. He is Marco Markovic from over in Austria. And because he's from that uh, other continent across the pond, you may know him as Vienna Falcons on Twitter. He has been a past guest on the podcast when we have done fan talks, but I feel like Marco has graduated from just being considered a Falcon fan and is one of the more insightful folks that you can follow on Twitter. Marco, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah. Today's episode, we're going to be talking with Marco. He's going to be sort of sharing his thoughts on sort of the off-season plans. 
And before we sort of get Marco, pick Marco's brain on sort of whether or not Terry Fontenot has shown he has a plan, I'll probably reiterate my point uh, that I have made several times on, on the podcast if you have not heard that over the last couple of months. But basically since mid-April, I've noticed a lot of people online you sort of talking about the quote-unquote brilliance of Terry Fontenot's uh, off-season moves and just from my perspective, you know, I feel like he hasn't really done anything substantial this offseason that really merits, you know, that sort of level of excessive praise. You know, as I've said before, like if you were to give him a letter grade for the Falcons offseason, I would probably give it an incomplete an I. You know, I, I know over in Europe they have a, probably a different grading system than we have in America. But, you know, beyond A, A, A B, C, D, and F, you know, you can get an I here in America. I got one in college because there was a class I had where basically the only grade you had for that semester was completing a project. I didn't complete the project, so I got an I for that. Had to go into the second semester uh, to finish that project project and turn it in to in order to get my grade wasn't great um if, if you're curious but that's kind of how i generally feel about this falcons offseason where it's like yeah they've done some moves um and we can certainly talk about whether or not they were hamstrung by the salary cap the, the covid related salary cap depression thomas dimitrov's terribleness um etc but I just feel like, you know, it's probably really next offseason where we can really see what Terry Fontenot uh, is able to do because he won't have, or at least in theory, should not have nearly the same degree of uh, restrictions and, and sort of unknown, you know, variables and whatnot. So uh, that being said, now that my viewpoint has been explained, I'm curious, Marco, where do you sort of fall um, in terms of looking at the Falcons offseason and, and Terry Fontenot and, and what he's done uh, over these first you know six months since he's been the Falcons GM, um, yeah, I think I can agree with you in the sense that we the, the assessment of the of the overall process, the plan that Terry Fontenot had. I think this has to be incomplete as of yet. We we simply do not have enough information and not enough context to really can like put a framework around his decisions that he's done this offseason. But what I think that we can grade is the result of the offseason, the team that he's now built, um, whatever the constraints may be, uh, we, we can put a grade on that. And I would give that whole result of this offseason, the team that he's constructed with what he started with, uh, I would give it a C, I think. I think this is a very middling result from in the terms of what was possible during this offseason to achieve. And uh, and I and I likened it uh, recently in a post uh, on, on Twitter. And I likened it to like this is a team taking a snap on first and ten, and it's a play action pass. So that's interesting. Like it's not a run. It's not very conservative, but there is something happening. And then the play action pass turns into a screen to the running back, and that running back gets tackled after three yards. So this is like a really a, a mediocre result. Like, it's okay. You Like, it's not a catastrophe. You didn't throw an interception. You didn't get a sack. Like, that would have been the equivalent of, I don't know, um, probably uh, trading Matt Ryan for a sixth-round pick and trading uh, Julio for a seventh-rounder and, and stuff like that. Like, it didn't happen. We didn't. And then drafting, um, I don't know, um, probably somebody like <laughs> somebody like uh, Penay Sewell at fourth overall, that would have been something like a catastrophe, a sack. And that wasn't that. Um, and 
drafting Justin Fields, on the other hand, like that, I think maybe in the, I like how you always try to defend yourself of not being pissed off that they passed on Justin Fields. But to be honest, that's my point of view. Drafting Justin Fields at four would have been a very different result and something better than a C, in my opinion. So I think that would have been the equivalent of getting a touchdown or at least getting a first down, getting a big play, getting 25 yards on that first down, play action pass. That would have been something like that. And what we got is something in the middle. So I think we can val- evaluate that result. But what we still don't know is what the play call was behind that three-yard screen pass to the running back. It could be, like there is one perspective that argues um, that the complications of the salary cap and the, and the contracts that he inherited from Dimitrov were so difficult to overcome that um, it basically... The equivalence of that is basically a very good coverage corner on the other side. And he actually tried to go deep on that first down play, but the coverage was so good that he had to check down to the running back. And that's kind of the point of view that you take when you say they wanted to go to Trey Lance. San Francisco jumped them. They got Trey Lance. Um, Justin Fields, I don't know, probably said something in the interview process that took him off the board, something like... Wild boars are taking over uh, the world and we're all going to be extinct tomorrow and this would not leak out to the press and um, they just took him off the board and said, this is not the QB for us. And so they tried to trade down and that didn't work either and there were no good offers for Grady Jarrett and for Dion Jones and they tried to do all that but it just did not work and the whole league conspired to ruin this, uh, this rebuild plan. And then so they settled. They settled for the checkdown. They settled for pits. They settled for all these moves um, that they made. Julio getting a second and stuff like that. And the other perspective is, well, if you really thought there are only three good QBs available, why didn't you move up to three if you wanted one of them? Like if this is like if you are really convicted about that, why didn't you do it? And if you really think that. Uh, um, box defenders are not the building block of your future franchise and the QB is more worth than that. And why didn't you try to get something for Dion Jones instead of locking yourself into him for two more years? So there's this different perspective that tries to say, um, yeah, we should not pat him on the back for punting on the catastrophe. Like you said, like he just delayed, basically the major decisions delayed them for a year till next year. And so um, we can pat him on the back for that, but we can also say, well, why? Why should we do that? Well, maybe, maybe he is just a very conservative GM that really thinks, without Grady Jarrett and without Dion Jones and without this cornerstones, yeah, like you have to defend the run first. Maybe he's that kind of a guy, and uh, then the result would be the same, but the process would have to grade very differently. So I think I agree with you. The process I would grade as an incomplete because we simply don't we simply don't know. Like there are there are very very different explanations possible for all the moves that he did, uh, but the result is a very, very distinctive meh quality to it. That, that's, I, I think that's worth pointing out, even if we don't know what the exact play call was behind the check down. Well, I appreciate you using a play action screen to the running back and not a play action screen to the tight end because that would have been the dirt cutter play call. I didn't want to go all the yeah. all a full dirt cutter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, don't don't trigger anybody on on the yeah. podcast. I get yeah, it. Yeah, this is a safe space. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you you brought up the whole Justin Fields thing, and and you know, 
I know there is a contingent of fans who are like, why are we always relitigating that draft pick and taking the quarterback and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, since you brought it up, let's let's talk about it. And uh, we'll continue that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons with uh, Marco, uh, a.k.a. Vienna Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks, who unfortunately had their epic run to the Eastern Conference Finals in this past weekend. And find out the latest going on with the Atlanta Hawks on the Locked On Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're not a fan of the Hawks, then by all means, we still got you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network as your favorite NBA team. Of course, has a daily podcast, and you can find it wherever you get your podcast. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. The NHL and NBA playoffs, as well as Wimbledon, are ongoing. And, of course, baseball season is in full swing. And you can track all the action at BetOnline. And it's not just sports. Since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, we get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So as we sit here talking about the Falcons offseason plan and the decision to take a quarterback or not to take a quarterback, I guess I am curious, Marco, did you sort of view it similar as I did? And and it seems like you did, but uh, I'll I'll let you sort of put it in your own words. Did you view it similarly where it seemed like the Falcons were headed in the direction of sort of taking that quarterback and then they kind of did the thing that they always do, um, which is zig when you expect them to zag uh, and going with Kyle Pitts? Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on that specific decision, which seemed to be, you know, the, the biggest decision that the Falcons did make this off season? I think like I have a, I have a sympathetic view inside of me that really tries to, um, see it that way. I think for the most part of the off season, I saw it that way. I, I think the only reasonable plan of action that they could have had was going for a QB at four. And then there was all stuff all hold smoke screens around that and everything that you do but i think that was the most logical path that they could have followed and i think after they took pits i i still thought that their their plan was pretty obviously what i think when draft night happens the new information that came in is that a lot of other teams did not see justin fields as a top 10 pick like this was new information like before that I was hammering the Justin Fields under three and a half uh, draft pick bet at plus 300, plus 400. I was hammering because there was nothing in the world that suggested that he should fall out of the top five. Like nothing except the big Belichickian, Bill Belichickian master plot that he called every other GM and said, eh, this guy has character issues and I, I don't know, maybe you should like let him fall to 15, something like that. Like aside from that, there was nothing on tape or on any publicly available information that you could justify this fall. And the fact that all of the other teams also passed on him and the fact that one of the worst GMs of the league in Ryan Pace was the one that decided to grab him that kind of rung an alarm bell for me. Like that was like really, like really Ryan Pace. Like he 
the Mitch Trubisky guy, the guy that like whiffed basically on everything except for trench players in his whole tenure as a, as a Bears GM. This is now the smartest guy in the room, the one that, that like played uh, that played the whole league against each other and, and grabbed the one. Like this is where I got skeptical. Like this is new information. And so since draft night, I thought, okay, they probably didn't have fields on their board because of something that he said in the interview process. Like there, there's nothing else that could explain this this whole um, scenario. And so I think from that point on, my interpretation was they were looking for Trey Lance and they were pretty sure that Lance will be gone at the third pick, like in the last few weeks before the draft. And so um, that's when they pivoted and switched to, to down trade or pits as their plan. But I think the original plan was to get a QB. Justin Fields somehow excluded himself from that conversation. Then the plan was freelance. And so um, from that point on, they just had to get the intel. And I think they got the intel that San Francisco was heading, heading for Lance. And that's when they changed their plan. Uh, that's when they, when they knew that their plan probably wouldn't work out, as they, as they, as they said. So that's the sympathetic view. But I, I cannot rule out from all the evidence that we have, I cannot rule out that they, from the moment they entered this building and they knew that Julio Jones will be gone and they knew that they had to, they had to restructure Matt Ryan, that they would probably, maybe they are thinking like, this is it, let's go five years and Kyle Pitts is the guy. Why should we even entertain an offer of trade down? Why should we even think about any of the quarterbacks? It's possible that this was the background. Like, so I really cannot say. Um, from everything that happened, from the evidence that we have, it's it's not possible to judge it completely because uh, maybe they were really totally into let's go, let's do it now. Even if we lose Julio, we have to do it with this core of players. We are not going to think about the future in four years. We're going to think about the future now. And um, and let's go get this Calpitz guy because he's the best tight end that we've ever seen, I don't know, since Tony Gonzalez and we just love him and uh, we're going to play and pretend that we are interested in these quarterbacks because you have to do it if you're sitting at four. But uh, maybe there never really was any interest at all. I cannot rule that out. Like it's, and, and that's frustrating me because I really don't want the franchise to be so dumb. But uh, I cannot rule it out. And so I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm torn. I cannot, I cannot tell you like a very decisive answer in that. I'm torn. Uh, recently we had a, um, on my German's, German writing Falcons a blog uh, that I have with, with friends of mine, we had a, a three-part series on the Falcons offseason, and there was a mild perspective and a very critical perspective, and I was in the middle. I was smack down the agnostic perspective, as I called it, the one that simply does not know. I, I do not have enough evidence to say whether Justin Fields was ever in their cards, whether QB was really the plan. Um, like I, I want to believe it was, but um, like I'm uh, Fox Mulder with the poster in the background. But uh, I, I want to believe, but I'm really not sure. It's really possible that they just don't think that way, and they think um, what's going on. Like, you know, Arthur Smith looking really pissed uh, at every press conference where the QB question came up. Like, who knows? Maybe they are just really playing all that stuff and and, and uh, really never thought about that option, which would be quite a devastating uh, new regime to not even think about that. Um, but um, maybe maybe that's the reality we are living in and we, we simply don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating because, you know, 
you, you bring that up and I, I don't even know if we're going to ever know the answer to that question. You know, yeah. it's just going to be yeah. like where Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever you want to throw into the conversation, we're, we're headed down multiple potential paths where one of those quarterbacks or both of those quarterbacks or whoever, you know, have success. And we sit there and we go, man, we're kicking ourselves. Why didn't we yeah. figure out a way to, to, to land one of those guys? Um, but then at the same time, if the Falcons have success, then it kind of mitigates those issues. And we'll talk about those issues as well as get Marco's thoughts on the impending roster moves in next offseason and how it might reflect back on this past offseason's moves as well as how it might impact the future success of the Falcons moving forward. And we'll do that as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I have to tell you that Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, has a brand new flavor in addition to their nine other already delicious flavors. And this week only, you can get that newest Built Bar flavor called Grasshopper Cookie. And if you're a fan of the classic Thin Mint Cookie, you'll love Grasshopper Cookie that gives you that same great flavor without the sugar. They all have, of course, other delicious flavors, including coconut almond, mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, German chocolate cake, orange, and strawberry you can try them all with a mixed box get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar with none of the guilt built bars contain 100 real chocolate they're soft and easy to chew my favorite the coconut almond tastes just like an almond joy and it's not just about their great taste they're healthy too the low in sugar and calories high in protein and fiber just head over to the website at builtbar.com and use the promo code locked 15 you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com and of course try the grasshopper cookie on sale this week at builtbar.com this episode is brought to you by rock auto with ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts chain store to stock on all the parts that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket? Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from that chain store or car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's Prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to all your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I guess my follow-up question is if we're projecting ahead to next off season, which is one of the things I've talked about over the last uh, couple of months since the draft and, and talking about, you know, their ability to create additional cap space, doing the thing that I went into this off season, hoping that they would do, uh, which is basically just punt their salary cap issues down the road, kick the can down the road, as they say. And then next off season, we'll have to potentially see them make a more, permanent decision about Matt Ryan and restructuring or extending him, uh, you know, a potential extension of, of Calvin Ridley, where you're going to be paying him potentially a very comparable amount of money that we were paying Julio Jones, Grady Jarrett's another player that's up for extension. Deion Jones, you're going to have to t do something with his contract because he's going to be counting nearly $20 million uh, against the salary cap. And you have players like Russell Gage and Foya Olakun that are hitting free agency uh, where you're going to have to address those issues. Um, I'm curious 
do you sort of envision something that could happen next off season that will sort of, you know, retroactively inform their decision-making process this past off season, or is it just one of those things, as I said, where it's just kind of up in the air and we just continue to speculate about? Well, I think the, the point that you often brought up in your recent episodes, I think that's a very, very important one in this discussion. Um, the, the fact that this team might just have painted themselves into a corner of mediocrity. That's why also I would, the, the results based rating would be a C simply in terms of uh, even with the loss of Julio, with the addition of Kyle Pitts and Ridley and Ryan and Arthur Smith, uh, uh, let's just assume a, f- a fairly competent play caller. We, we, I, I'm also very like not in the mood of being. Oh, he's going to be a genius. He's great. He, like, he also ran Derrick Henry into the ground, and he was very conservative in some stuff. And so, I don't want to praise him too much, like out of the gate. I want to see him first in action as an head coach. So let's, uh, but let's assume he's competent. Let's assume he's like nothing brilliant, nothing Kyle Shanahan, like just competent. Um, all of that will be enough to get this team to seven or eight wins. Um, and com- com- like combine that with a fairly easy schedule opposing quarterbacks, you're going to get this team to a mediocre performance level simply by the fact that this offense will be um, in some median case, in, in most like in most cases, this offense should be competent. And so this is in today's NFL mostly enough for a mediocre record. Uh, now you can have wild swings. You you could have the defense suddenly have creating a bunch of turnovers like Mike Nolan did in 2012, and suddenly this is a 13 and three team that is nothing close to a 13 and three team or 13 and four would be nowadays. Yeah. Um, but uh, masked by a lot of turnovers and stuff like that, like that can happen. But that can happen any year to any given team. But I think the median expectation for this team will be mediocrity, something like uh, eight and nine, nine and eight record, maybe in the fringe of the playoffs, stuff like that. And so then the, the question that you asked is really important next season, because if they see themselves on a path of success, if they think, oh, okay, um, and, and two of the and two games swing in their direction, like they've had bad luck games now for all of eternity, and just two of those games just swing in their direction, like two onside, like Young Oku, Onside kicks, I don't know, whatever, anything can happen. Yeah? They recover an onside kick, who knows? The opposing team doesn't bench Mitch Trubisky, something like that. Crazy stuff happens. Yeah? And they win games. And they stand at 10 and 7 and enter the playoffs. Then now they suddenly they feel validated in their approach. And they, I would be scared of that if they double down then on their win now mentality and just forget that there is a team after 2022 that they should take care of. And I think probably won't happen. I think because all the moves that Fontenot did, and this is the one constant through this whole process, and it's a very nuanced one, is that he didn't touch 2023 cap. This is the one thing that he never, never did. Like, he could have done it multiple times, um, and he didn't do it, except for, like, the obvious necessary ones where, like, the Matt Ryan restriction and stuff like that. But when he did the uh, Debo um, contract, he... That, that was a specific decision not to do a restructure, but to do this uh, punting some of the guaranteed salary from 2021 to 2022, because a restructure would have touched 2023 cap. And this what, what he did now didn't touch 2023 cap. And so I think 
there is there are some breadcrumbs there that Fontenot's plan was geared towards having his team, if you want to call it that, ready by 2023. That's the year where the cap will have healed from all the corona um, catastrophes. That's the year where Julio will be off the books. That's the year where Matt Ryan, maybe, maybe not, maybe some part of Matt Ryan will still be on the books, but there is there will be a decision made about this contract already. So I think there are breadcrumbs there that um, even a successful se- or a mildly successful season um, could still be something that Fontenot will weigh against the long-term future of the team. And uh, th- that maybe he will not fall prey to the moment uh, and, and think about the long-term ramifications of the team. But it's very possible, like you said, and I think it's very important, the point that you always put up, they put the pressure on themselves to be successful now and this leads you to this no man's land that they are now in. Like they are now really in this. Okay, we're gonna go nine and eight, and maybe we, uh, nine and seven. We go next year also nine and seven, and you will always be in this level of Matt Ryan and and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts will hold will will not let you drown, and get the quarterback. That's the next step. <laughs> um, but they will never like. It's very unreasonable to expect them to get you to the Super Bowl now. Like, I don't think this team is anywhere close. This roster is anywhere close to being a Super Bowl contender. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know where fans that think that are coming from. Like, this roster is full of holes and uh, at very vital positions. And, and even if Dean Pease is some magician like Mike Nolan was in 2012 uh, and Arthur Smith is, like, you still cannot paint over talent deficiencies. And so I think... Uh, Fontenot knows that in a sense because it really had an eye on 2023 cap uh, in his offseason moves. Uh, but it will be interesting to see the dilemma if he really is successful in 2021, what he's going to do next. So I, I think we will know more then because then he will live, really have to lay his, like show his cards, really put down what he what he's really thinking about this team. Because the, the easy thing will be if they if they struggle. If they struggle in 2021, then they can always say, okay, this was always going to be a transition year. It was impossible to offload Ryan and Julio in the same offseason. We're going to do it separately, stuff like that. Like, okay, that will seem like a very clear uh, narrative in retrospect, um, but it's also going to be a very convenient excuse if that wasn't actually the plan. But if they are successful, I'm not sure we will ever really know what his intentions were in those first few months here um, when he when he took the job in Atlanta. And that's my friends, is where we're going to leave today's episode. Of course, uh, with Marco, continue to have another 30 minutes of conversation, and you can find that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Falcons as part two of this essentially hour-long conversation I had with Marco Markovic, a.k.a. Vienna Falcons, on Twitter and tomorrow's episode, we continue the conversation about the future of the Falcons, looking at how competitive they can be talking a little bit more about sort of the unknown variables and factors involving how good a coach Arthur Smith is, how much Matt Ryan has left in the tank, whether or not the Falcons have put the ideal supporting cast around him and sort of then looking back at some of the parallels between this 2021 team, as well as next year's team looking back at say 2015 and 2016 and trying to sort of glean if any lessons we can learn from the Dan Quinn era, as well as the Mike Smith era about sort of 
seeing if we can project, you know, what the Arthur Smith era is going to be like in the future. So that's what's in store for you guys on tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, of course, you should follow Marco on Twitter at Vienna Falcons. His tweets are in English. Um, so if you're worried about that, it's his blogs that are in German. And of course you can find that at stirs blog. That's S T U R Z F L U G dot B L O G uh, getting his insights uh, for you German uh, speakers out there, which I know there is a uh, considerable minority of, of German speakers, at least from that part of the world that listen to this podcast. So if you haven't discovered uh, that blog, uh, certainly you want to check that out. And if you're, uh, you know, an English speaker or speaker of literally any other language, of course you can uh, potentially get that blog translated. So you can still get those insights at stirs blog, but there you guys have it. I hope you guys appreciate uh, today's episode and Speaking of today's episode, uh, why not find out all the sports news that you need on today's episode with the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski, giving you those insights into all the things going on currently around sports, including NBA playoffs, the finals now, the NHL playoffs, Wimbledon, etc. cetera. Uh, you can, of course, check out the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Again, that's all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes every single morning. Check that out on the Locked On Today podcast. So there you guys have it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with Marco Markovich for part two of this podcast. And and so we'll, we'll have some other great guests on the podcast in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, in addition to the um, uh, training camp previews that we have been doing the last couple of days. If you missed them last week, we did wide receivers and offensive line. We'll start with the defense uh, this side, uh, that side of the ball this week as well. So a lot of great content coming up for you on Lockdown Falcons. And of course, if you have any feedback on anything you heard on today's episode, anything you've heard on past episodes or anything you want me to discuss on future episodes, of course, you can send that feedback and ask your questions. Uh, send them over to Lockdown Falcons on Twitter, Lockdown Falcons on Facebook. And of course, the email address is LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.